the near sideline. Trinaman is there. Makes the catch at the 30, 20, 10, and just like that, touchdown Cougars on the first play of the game. Takes it down the right side of the lane, right to the rim, scoop, and a score! It rolls around and drops down. Takes this free kick and curls it inside the left post. What a goal! The voice of the Cougars is talking BYU sports with the players and coaches past and present who've made you rise and shout. And this is Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel on BYU Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 143. Here now is your host, Greg Rubel. Good Wednesday evening and hello again, Cougar Nation. After a few weeks away for some Wednesday night's BYU basketball broadcast and a Thanksgiving break thrown in there. Welcome back inside Studio 2 at the BYU radio facility inside the beautiful BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah on this winter's eve for another edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel, our once-a-week hour of conversations with Cougars past and present and some of those covering our Cougars. Great to have you with me tonight, whether listening live or on demand. If you are tuning in live, that means you are listening to us on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, org, or on the BYU Radio app. If you are listening on demand, it's via podcast on my Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel podcast feed. You can also get a podcast of the show on our Behind the Mic show page at org. You can also get every show archived for on-demand listening at that site. BYURadio.org also has show pages, podcasts, and archives for our other weekly broadcasts, including our weekly Dave Rose Coaches Show. Lots of ways to listen. Well, coming up on this evening's broadcast, BYU track and field and cross-country All-American Rory Linkletter. This native Calgarian runs for the red and white of Canada and the blue and white of BYU, and he'll be in Studio 2 coming up shortly. After Rory, I'll be visiting with former record-setting BYU basketball point guard Matt Montague. Matt uh, truly has a remarkable tale to tell of uh, joining the Cougar basketball program at its deepest depths and helping the Cougars back to the very pinnacle of college hoops. That's Matt's interview featured in our tonight's uh, Catching Up with the Cougars segment sponsored by BYU alumni. But we start tonight's show as I now traditionally do with one of my teammates here at BYU Broadcasting, the coordinating producer of BYU Sports Nation, longtime sports talk fixture in this market, the man behind the curtain for Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. He's Ben Bagley. Welcome inside Studio 2, Ben. Great to be here, Greg. I was just thinking you give that whole rundown of all the places you can listen to this, and I thought to myself, oh, there's a negative for being on the show tonight. i got to find something else to listen to on the podcast tomorrow morning on the drive down. Listen to yourself. It's it, it's always it's always behind the mic coming down. Whether it's the Dave Rose Show or or this or mm-hmm. whatever, gets me caught up and ready in the mood for BYU yeah. Sports Nation. And now tomorrow morning, I got to find something else. You can listen to yourself. I don't like listening to myself. <laughs> <laughs> Never have. L- luckily, there are listeners who enjoy listening to you. Uh, I, I want to really just um, uh, have you take us back to your entree into this marketplace, because uh, BYU Broadcasting is by no means your first stop. So uh, let's go back in time uh, to when maybe you first decided this would be something you wanted to do for a living, and and what kind of doors were open to you? Oh, I was just going back. It's probably... uh, I almost have to go back to 2000, year 2000, back in the year 2000. Uh, I was going to be a newspaper writer. I wanted to be a beat reporter in newspaper. Uh, I was going to school at Utah State at the time. Uh, wife got graduated because she was smarter than I was. Uh, got a job in Salt Lake teaching school, so we had to move down to Salt Lake. And I'm like, I guess I got to find a job or an internship, and uh, couldn't get. What did you study at Utah State? I was studying uh, journalism, okay. print journalism. Yeah, uh, was was about a year from graduation. Uh, couldn't get an internship at the newspapers. I was too late. They were all filled up. 
So I, on a whim, pulled out the phone book, started looking at radio stations. And called 1320K fan at the time and said, hey. Uh, By the way, kids, uh, phone book is a thing that used to exist. Yes. Yeah, uh, back in the day. This is pre-Google. There were phone numbers. It was, it was like it was hundreds of pages with phone numbers on them. It's crazy. And, and if you're yeah. really cool, you could rip one in half. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, that, that's actually what you do with them now. Yeah. Just on a whim, called the program director, a man by the name of Jeff Rickard, and said, hey, uh, looking for an internship. And he goes, funny, we'll take you. Go ahead. Come on now. We'll meet. And we'll start as an intern there. Paid or non-paid? Non-paid. Yeah. Longest good. summer of my life. No, that's the best way to do it. <laughs> longest summer of my life, no. Uh, actually, a great internship with uh, Eric Ray there. And then uh, after I got done, they must have liked me because they kept me on as a board op doing Grizzlies and Bees games. And then after about three months, they hired me as the uh, the producer of the Utah Jazz Radio Network doing jazz games and jazz talk afternoon drive show. And then after that, they gave me a show and was assistant program director. Did the jazz beat for twelve years in the locker room and pre half and post game show and the rest is history. We use some lingo there, board op. Board op, pushing buttons, yeah, running, board op, running. The, uh, yeah, every time there's there's somebody talking, there's somebody usually behind the board that's making sure the mics are on, the yes. volume's right, getting yes. into commercials on time, all those kinds of things. That's our board op. And tonight's board op is Cole Wissinger, by the way. So Cole's by behind the Behind Very the good. buttons tonight. Very does, good. Does a great job. And uh, so, yeah, board opping is, is a key part of the operation, kind of an entry-level position, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I remember I listening to Steve Klauke on Bees Games and Ian Furness on Utah Grizzly Games. That's, mm-hmm. that's where I got, I got my start. And so after that, I, I learned from some great people on how to do broadcast journalism. And I remember the first time I ever went on air as a host is I was doing Jazz Talk, which is the afternoon drive show uh, on 1320K Fan, talking about Utah jazz basketball and a couple other things. And my boss, who was the program director and host of the show, goes, hey, I've got an appointment i got to go to in the last hour of this show. You're all right with hosting this with Tom Nasalki for an hour. And I'm like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Scared out of my mind. Absolutely scared out of my mind. And I can still remember to this day, Tom, Tom Nasalki and I spent, I don't know, probably half an hour talking about Tiger Woods. And that was the topic of conversation that day. And I was, I was out of my depth. I was scared out of my mind. But you but helped carry it. I had to. Yeah. I, and, and that was the best part about it because there's a lot of times we do this, Greg. And w- whether it's the topic, whether it's uh, something we don't know a lot about for some reason or another, you get a little scared when you first come into this business. You learn but, it by doing it. But you learn it by doing it. Yeah. And that's how I did it. And it was a great opportunity. And after and that – just kept going. And so often you're thrown into it unexpectedly, whether it's for an hour like that or whether, in my instance, um, you know, Paul James tells me on the phone one night, I'm going in for six bypasses in the morning, you know, yeah. and, and can you get on a plane to Seattle and call a basketball game in, in three nights or two nights? And that's how I called my first ever basketball game was was that kind of emergency situation. I didn't know I could do it, and I certainly wasn't ready for it. But, but you're all not going to say no. But all of a sudden, you, yeah, you, you, you say, oh, yeah, throw me in. And, Absolutely. and you learn it by doing it, and that's how kind of how it went for me. And the internship thing uh, rings very true. Um, uh, Chris Tunis gave me my break. Uh, I, I got an internship with Chris uh, at KSL uh, back in the day. And I still remember the first time he had me do something on air as an intern. And I was like, hold on, I'm on KSL radio here. <laughs> this red light just went on. What I'm saying is going out to the listeners of KSL radio, yes. what is going on here? And uh, so we've had those moments. I like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is all of a sudden real. Yeah. And, th- and then, then once you become established or you get used to it, it's not weird. It's just normal. And, and it's to me, to me, it's still weird to this day that people come and go, hey, uh, like doing, doing pre-half and post of BYU shit yeah. g- games this fall. Studio hosting. Yeah. yeah. All, all, the, all the time. Hey, I heard you on the radio. And I'm like, 
Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I do. Like, no, yeah. it's cool to hear you about it. I'm like, thanks. Uh, it's what I do. It's like not a big deal. But at the time, that first time, you're just like, don't mess this up. Don't mess this up. I got this. I have no clue what I'm doing. Let's but go. From, but from a listener's perspective, though, relative to you, yeah. uh, there was a time when you disappeared kind of from the airwaves yeah. and, 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 and you occupied a different role in what, we're, in what it is we're doing uh, with the whole Sports Nation concept. And, and again, it takes you away from a daily on-air radio role, but still an on-air role. In fact, you're you know popularly known behind the scenes. They come into the control room, and there you are in camp. So you're still appearing just in a different way. How did you feel about the transition from from a, like an everyday kind of presence uh, with listeners to a more a little more behind-the-scenes uh, productorial role? I was ready for something else. I, I really was. And, and I, I got this opportunity. Michael Miner and I talked about creating this show. Um, we decided he, he it was his brainchild. He brought me in. I was a great idea. Let's do this. We, we launched on radio at that point. I was producing the show from the radio side, helping Spencer and Jeremy. Hey, this is how we do sports talk radio. This mm-hmm. is what we're going to do. Then Michael Mine goes, we're going to take this to TV. I'm like, I've been in front of a camera on TV. I've never produced from a TV side. side. I had to learn quick and learn uh, by thro- being thrown in the fire once again. And still – Three, four years in, still feel a little out of my depth at times, but it's a great experience. And it's been fun because I've learned a different aspect of this business. And it's, and it's a very amazing and creative vein that I've been able to go down. I, I miss doing this part of it sometimes, but I also enjoy exploring a different aspect of the business and different possibilities that are out there. And it, it, helps, it helps be creative, and it's a, it's a lot of fun. So much work goes into the one hour that the uh, viewers see and the listeners hear when it comes to Sports Nation every day. So much of, of what Ben does are in the many, many hours leading up to the one hour, and a lot of work goes into it. Uh, you know, when, I, when I show up on Wednesdays for my 10, 15 minutes with, uh, with Spencer and Jerem, uh, we're not just shooting the bull. We are actually executing a game plan. It we doesn't have, look at it like it sometimes, but we've prepped this. It, yeah. I mean, we, we've, there's, there's there's a game plan here. Yeah. I sent you a list of questions. Hey, Greg, this is what we're Be doing ready for with this. And Get ready for this. Anything you want to or don't want to talk about. And, and, and let's go from there. And occasionally, the game plan's executed, and we do it well. Yeah, well, it's it's it, it's a joy, and and certainly the the program has a great foothold. Speaking of Sports Nation, right now, uh, bigger and better things ahead. And uh, from a, from a personal standpoint, it's it's great to be in the building now with you guys on on a on a daily basis, uh, well, which which wasn't always the case, and now is the case, and uh, things couldn't be going better. No, it's fantastic because we've got the collection of those who live, eat, and breathe BYU sports under one roof and we all work together we all help each other out on whatever it might be there's great cross promotion BYU athletics really really benefits from this and Cougar Nation benefits from this I mean for I, where else do you get this and, and I'm not I'm not a BYU Cougar Greg you might not know this but I grew up in Aggie <laughs> yeah. I graduated from the University of Utah don't tell anybody that and now I work at BYU and so I've seen every aspect of what what's out there and no no fan base has this available to them and it's great it's a great avenue to get your information to get your entertainment to live BYU sports but you're not just punching a clock ben you you proudly wear the cougar blue don't tell my family that they're still not used to me doing that and greg i'll be honest with you I, growing up in aggie you have certain feelings towards BYU and not a lot of them positive but you've let them go it took two and a half years before I put a Y on my chest. I'm wearing, I'm wearing, wearing a BYU right golf shirt, yeah. shirt right now. Yeah. It literally took me two and a half years down here before I put on a BYU shirt. And I think it was Mike Littlewood who finally broke me and gave me a shirt <laughs> and says, you should wear this. And I'm like, maybe I'll, all my other clothes were dirty that day. I put it on. I'm like, hey, this does it. It's not burning me. It's okay. I can do this. And, yeah. and now, now 
Hey, every second day. nature, every second day. nature. Well, I wanted to give listeners a little insight into uh, into what got you to where you are right now, and we'll do this again, uh, and maybe on future appearances we'll talk a little more X's and O's and actual occurrences. Uh, but just maybe thirty seconds before you go um, on on just kind of the uh, maybe the breath of fresh air for a lot of BYU fans that the eight and two start is for this basketball team is right now. Uh, it's a bastion of hope. I think. I think it, it's funny because. I'll give you a look ahead to BYU Sports Nation tomorrow, Star Wars premiere. So it's going to be a Star Wars day, and we're working on a special open. And, and it's, it starts talking about a in, in a need for hope, there was a light coming from the Marriott Center at 8 and 2. And <laughs> I, I think BYU fans at first were a little tempted, but now they're starting to buy more and more in. I think Saturday's going to be a big game and fun to watch because I think this, this basketball team, Greg, is fun to watch. And, and the way they play the ball, they're playing it the right way. Now yeah. let's see if they can continue that and carry out through conference play and especially on Saturday against Utah. Talk a little BYU basketball with Matt Montague coming up later in this hour. Ben, thanks for stopping in and appreciate all you've done for our radio broadcasts uh, in the studio uh, during this past football season. And whenever you appear, it's a good thing. And uh, we're grateful that you've uh, uh, joined the radio team on occasion this past, you know, this past few months. Happy to do it, Greg. It's right. my second home. Now yep, i got to go find is. a podcast for tomorrow morning. <laughs> okay, it's Ben Bagley, and uh, he'll be back with us on future episodes of Behind the Mic for sure. All right, we'll take a break. Our first break, when we come back, we'll be talking with BYU track and field and cross-country All-American Rory Linkletter. Rory is coming up next. You're listening to us on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, BYURadio.org, and the BYU Radio app. This is Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel. Back in a minute. Welcome back to Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. From Calgary, Alberta, Rory Linkletter is one of the best college-age runners in the U.S. or Canada. A prep runner at Harriman High School here in Utah, Rory was a four-time All-Stater in track and field, two-time All-Stater in cross-country before beginning his BYU career in 2015, the same year in which he ran for Canada at the World Cross-Country Championships in China, finishing 86th in the world in the junior men's 8K. On the track, Rory's freshman season included wins in the 3,000 meters at the Texas A&M Invitational, a personal record in the mile at the Iowa State Classic. That season, he also set a personal mark in the 3,000 meters steeplechase at the Trojan Invitational, qualified for nationals in the 5,000, and finished in the top 20 at the NCAA Outdoor Championships coming in 19th. His sophomore cross-country season later in 2016 saw Rory win the Stephen Reeder Memorial Invitational, finished fourth in the WCC Championships, and 32nd at the NCAAs, earning All-America honors. His sophomore track season earlier this year Saw a new personal record in the 3,000, taking about 10 seconds off his previous mark. He also set a new personal mark in the 5,000, taking three seconds off that record the year before, running the sixth fastest 5,000 in BYU history. Then at the NCAA Indoor Championships, he took 11th in the 5,000. He set his personal record in the 10,000 meters at the Mount Sac Relays, and this is just the first year running the 10K, and then made national headlines with the killer kick to finish second in the 10,000 at the NCAA Outdoor Championships and earn another All-America Citation first team. The spring of 2017 saw Rory return to the international stage at the World Cross-Country Championships in Uganda, where he finished 76th in the world in the senior men's 10K. This fall, his junior cross-country slate included 
two meet wins, including one at the pre-nationals, where he set a new personal 8K record of 12, uh, uh, a personal 8K record at the 2108, finished fourth at the WCC Championships by taking more than a minute off his previous WCC mark. Boy, there's a lot here. And he returned to the NCAA Championships, taking 20 seconds off his 2016 time with another top 40 finish and a second straight All-America citation. The BYU team finished third, best finish for the team in 24 years. In his spare time, Rory has run a blue jeans mile in four minutes and 16 seconds, which at the time was a world record. It is a pleasure to welcome into studio two, Rory Linkletter. Hello, Rory. Hey, glad to be here. Really good to have you in. And uh, I, I think a lot of folks who follow me on social media uh, know that you and I share a commonality in our background. Yep, Calgary. And you were born there, right? In the 403, YYC. <laughs> the 403. Uh, I, I, I lived in, uh, in southeast Calgary in a neighborhood called Deer Run. And in that same neighborhood lived the Romanovich family. Take it from there. What does the Romanovich name uh, have tied to you? Um, my mother, that's her maiden name, Tara Romanovich. Uh, yeah, um, my, and I'm not certain the connection, but I'm pretty sure you are around the same age as my Aunt Karen, and you guys attended— And your uncle, and your uncle Dougie. And you guys attended, you know, seminary together growing up, same state. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, from what I understand is my grandpa was your seminary—early morning seminary ride to— School. He so. was my he was my personal chauffeur every morning, <laughs> and, and the great thing about Grandpa Doug was he had this uh, old blue station wagon, and we would get picked up in the darkness of the early morning. It was early morning seminary, and up in Canada, the early mornings are really dark and really cold. And Doug would start up the station wagon um, at, at your place down there, and and. The heat would get going, but not really, really, really going until after you got to my place. And so I, I got a little bit of a benefit because the five-minute drive from their place to our place, or more like two minutes, really, just allowed, allowed the car to warm up. So by the time it got to our place, there was enough There's enough of the frost kind of heated away where we could see where we were going for the most part. But Doug would drive pretty much with a, just a teeny little pin-sized hole in the frost to see where he was going to get to our house. Then he'd pick us up, the car warm up a little bit, and then we'd get to seminary and all was well. The Romanovich family and Grandpa Doug and uh, was a big part of my life in high school, and so we have that going back for us. There we go. Yeah. And so uh, when did you when did you uh, come stateside? So I was five years old. Um, my mother moved here, and we've lived in either Kearns, Utah, or Harriman is where I kind of spent most of my uh, middle school and high school years and went to Harriman High School. Proud Harriman High alum along with fellow BYU athletes like Francis Bernard and Sierra Freeland. So. And how much is Canada still a part of your heart and your life? Uh, it's a big, big part of my heart. Um, I love distinguishing myself amongst others. I wear the Canadian flag with pride. Uh, my father still lives in you know, southern Calgary, and I go up there you know, once or twice a year. I have a brother that lives in Calgary. I have plenty of family out there, and I just love Canada. There's just something special about it. Of course, you've been down here long enough to have a strong attachment to what we have here in the USA, but it is kind of nice and kind of like I feel the same way to kind of have a Canadian homeland and an American home and kind of feel connected to both. Yeah, I've got two homes, uh, Utah and Alberta, and they're both similar in many ways but have their differences that I admire. And because of your background, uh, when it comes to international competition, you get to run for Canada. Yeah. 
So I'm only a Canadian citizen, even though I've been in the States for, you know, 16 years now. Uh, I had never got my American citizenship and have no plans as of right now of when I would get that, if I will, uh, or where I'll end up after college living, you know, in the can- in Canada or the States. Um but yeah, uh, it's it's an awesome opportunity to represent Canada. They've got a great uh, athletics program, and it's been awesome traveling around the world and competing for them. Who do you have in studio with us tonight? So I've got my grandma from uh, Vernon, BC. She well from Calgary, yeah. but now living in Vernon, BC. She came down for a little bit. For I the hadn't Christmas seen your mom break. in I don't know. 30 years, I, it, forever and ever. Like, but again, I, I would see her every week, right? Because we, we lived in the same neighborhood, we went to the same ward. So I'd see you guys all the time, and I hadn't seen her in so long. So it's pretty cool to see her for the first time yeah. in like decades. So the mom, okay. the grandmother's here, uh, my girlfriend and BYU gymnast, Jill Van Mierlo, and my two little brothers, two of my three little brothers, Roman, six-year-old birthday right now, today, and Bridger. So fellow Harriman High School athlete right now. And Bridger's the running there, right? On the come up, yeah. I've seen, I've seen him in the singlet. Hey, I've seen him with with, uh, with running attire on, so he's a runner, right? Yeah, you never know. Hey, it's in the blood. And did you already mention her already? My mom? Yeah. yeah. Okay, oh, you, yeah. Said, you said mom, then you said Mom's mom and grandma. Here. Okay, mom yeah. and grandma are here. And that's Tara. Yeah, Tara. Right. And uh, little brother here is wearing a, a Steph Curry jersey. Yeah, which... I don't agree with at all. If anyone follows me on Twitter, That's they know right. I'm the biggest LeBron James fan. So as soon as fan. he walked in, I thought, whoa, 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 how's, how's, this, being, uh, how's this going over with you? Yeah, um, He gets that from my, the middle brother, not from me. <laughs> I am not a Steph Curry fan. I am a LeBron faithful. So, so total number of siblings, they aren't all here, right? No, they're not all here. So I have uh, four siblings total, three with my mother and one with my father. Okay. When did you start uh, gravitating toward running? Um, it was my freshman year of high school and I kind of decided I wasn't going to be big enough to play football. I, I was 90 pounds as a freshman and 4'11". <laughs> so I've grown a foot and put on about 50 pounds since then. But, uh, at the time it was like, well, I got to do something. And I had a buddy that was going to go out for cross country. I had no idea what it was, but I thought it would get me in shape for maybe I'd mature over the next year and I'd be able to be ready to do the sports that I loved and wanted to do at the time, which was basketball and baseball. Well, little did I know that, you know, I would fall in love with this sport and it would take me to great places all around the world and here at BYU. So you're running it around 140 then right around now. Yeah, that's 135 to 140. It fluctuates based on, you know, the mileage, the weather outside, how much I've eaten in the last 24 hours. But I, yeah, I'm around 135 to 140. When it comes to eating, by the way, you are very serious about what goes in your body. You don't just mess around. I don't mess around. Uh, right now, I'm on a mental break as far as my dietary choices go. You kind of <laughs> got to take that in waves, you know, with the holiday season. I'm letting myself have the, the dessert item here and there. But in season and such, I live by the code of Ferrari fuel, which means you don't put regular fuel in a Ferrari. And I try to put only good things that are going to make this engine run smooth. When you're in competition mode, uh, what would a typical day's diet be for you? So I love to start the day with a run and then eat some breakfast. And it depends on what time I have class. If I have time to run home and make myself um, an egg and toast, that's the ideal. But sometimes this semester, especially I've had 8 a.m. classes on Tuesday, Thursday. That's where I'll stop by the nutrition center here at BYU and you know get a green smoothie or maybe a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or toast and uh maybe some 
peanuts or whatever, just some, some sort of small snack. And then lunch, um, my girlfriend and gymnast, we meal prep every week. She does it mostly. I just kind of am there for the ride. She definitely helps me in that aspect. So she'll make something like brown rice, veggies, and chicken in a little uh, portable tray that I can take to school, microwave, and eat. And uh, that's awesome because that's just like super consistent. I can out at the same time every day, and I'm just dialed in on that aspect of my diet. And then after practice, I'll usually try to throw down some quick uh, food, whether it be you know a Jamba Juice or Legends Grill with my fuel card, or I'll um, you know grab that Jamba and go make myself something later if we have something planned. But and and you know people might say, wow, that sounds really uh, really uh, restrictive, really stringent. But but for you, it's like a, it's like a must, right? It's a, it's like a prerequisite. I, I have to be on, running on like a consistent schedule. I don't know if many people know this. I'm sure there's a lot of endurance athletes listening. If you at all mess with that diet and that consistency, you have no idea what that run's going to do. And when I'm running for, you know, my my diet is built around my runs. So I run, you know, five miles in the a.m. and then I got to replenish and go to class. And then I run, you know, 10 to 12 miles in the afternoon. And that's that run can be very miserable if I don't have, you know, the lunch at a certain time and be something I can trust that my body will be able to digest properly. And then uh, post run that second run, it's all about just getting in, you know, carbs and protein that can help me recover so that the next day I'm ready to go back at it again. So, and if I'm eating any sort of like, uh, what I would consider junk food or, uh, cheat meals, Mm -hmm. then I just feel like I don't, I feel a little gross and you never know what that's going to do to your stomach. And I'm big on like anti-inflammatories. So like there's some food that will make you actually more inflamed post-exercise. And a lot of that has to do with like sugar, high fat content foods. And um, so I'll avoid that because I don't want to add inflammation when I'm already beating my body into the ground. I got to find every edge I can to get ready for the next run and to keep pushing my body. Was BYU always going to be your choice? Uh, you, you, you ran for some good high school teams at Harriman, and you were a good runner there. Uh, was it always BYU in your book? It wasn't BYU. It was actually anywhere but BYU at one point in, in time. Why? And that's funny. I, no, I don't know. I just never really gave it the time of day. Um, and then I had a buddy from Alta High School who's currently on the team, Kramer Morton, who went on a visit and said, you know what? That was awesome. You really got to check <laughs> out BYU. Uh, I think you'll love it. I was like, I won't like it. Trust me, it's not for me. I'm not. I'm not a typical BYU student, right? Now, what, was Ed checking you out by this time? Um, this was. Uh, I had had like contact with some people that were at BYU. Uh, I knew Ryan Waite through uh, mutual friends, mm-hmm. who and Ryan Waite ended up being a really good friend of mine here at BYU. He's now not with the program, but uh, back no, in Delaware. I, I wasn't really yeah. on their radar. A hundred percent, Ed. We call him Easy e for a reason. He doesn't really do a ton of heavy recruiting. It's kind of like he knows the LDS community, he knows the Utah running community, and he and usually he'll he'll you'll see expressed interest from the athlete first because mm-hmm. that's just the way BYU right. recruiting has worked for him in the past. Um, he stepped up his game since I've been here, and he's obviously doing a lot better. We've recruited a bunch of studs, two back to back NXN yeah. champs. But for me, it was like. I didn't get on his radar till I ran a really good cross-country race in December, my senior year. I called him, and I was like, hey, I want to do an unofficial visit. I didn't want to waste an official visit on BYU. That was my <laughs> honest opinion. Wow. Was it would be a waste to, wait, to use one of my official visits at BYU. He talked me into the official, and it's actually a hilarious story. Ryan Waite shows me to our athletic training room, a place where I spend a lot of time now, and... 
I'm in the room for, you know, 20 minutes. I walk through the locker room. And by the time we eat lunch, our first meal with Coach Eystone and Ryan Waite uh, and, the, and I, my host at the time, which I think was Tommy Gutierrez, uh, I was like, yeah, I'm coming here. It, it was like I went from, nah, I don't want to use an official visit here to he talked me into using an official visit and I'm there for two hours and I'm already sold that I'm coming to BYU because I've already been on a few visits. I was pretty much fed up with the recruiting process at this time. So you take some other I officials had, then? Yeah, I had yeah. taken other officials to local schools, and uh, I had talked to some other bigger schools mm-hmm. out there. But you know, BYU had the complete package. I was looking for a place where I could, you know, thrive athletically, um, and had that. I, I had that dream of that big sports program where I could, you know, flourish. And BYU's cross country and track and field program is just. Astounding. And they have, you know, good football team, good basketball team. I love sports, and this is just a place where I felt like I could grow within the programs, and it's been awesome. So you were sold. You were sold really quickly. Yeah. And and, and you were like, I'm here. I'm good. Yeah. No, it took literally two hours of being at BYU to just – the feeling came over me that I had to be here. So I I ran through – so many of your results uh, from freshman through now your junior year. As you listen to those being ticked off, how do you kind of view your progression here at BYU to this point? You still have time to go. Um, I would say it's been ideal. I came in and it was all about just getting used to the system. First year I didn't. I redshirted my my true freshman year. Um, got some international experience that year though, and I feel like I grew a lot and I learned a lot. I battled some injuries. And I learned a thing or two from the upperclassmen at that time. Um, and the next year, I really came into my own around the indoor track season, uh, ran some top 10 marks in the 5,000 indoors, and qualified for outdoor nationals, which was huge for a right. freshman. Like, um, that doesn't happen very often. So I was one of two freshmen, I think, in the race, and there's 24 people in the race. And so I, I've... I felt like I was in a really good place, um, and at that point, my running just took off. Uh, sophomore year was another big leap. The All-American status of cross-country season was a big growing moment, and then indoor, I felt like I took another step forward by qualifying for indoor nationals, which only takes 16 people, and I upped my place in the 5,000 outdoor to indoor from 19th to 11th. Mm-hmm. So it's just another, that was like incremental steps towards where I wanted to be, and but I wasn't really satisfied with that indoor mark, and I decided that I was going to go up to the ten thousand because I was weighing the competition level, and I was like, well, best case scenario, the five thousand with the guys that are in there, I think I could get fourth or fifth. Like it's pretty stacked field, and uh, but in the ten k, I thought I could be maybe be top three um, with a good performance, and there's really only one or two untouchables, right? And so I went for it, and I took to the 10,000 really well. The good thing about the 10,000 meters in college is it's a long race, so you get to be strong, and you get to showcase that, that endurance. But also, in the championship style, it's generally ran below your max effort for a lot of the race. So the first 5K at NCAAs was, I believe, 14.55, which for me is very pedestrian and it's just but it's a physical race it's yeah, a tactical it, race yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah so it's all about just conserving energy staying in the pack you know just not not losing yourself in that first 5k mm-hmm. and then it just ramps up and one thing about me and my strength as a runner and it always has been for whatever reason is i've got a really monstrous like kick at the end of the race i've just always been able to dig down and bring out something that i didn't even know i had and on that day um 
on at Hayward Field this this June, mm-hmm. I was able to find more than I'd ever found ever at the end of a race. I went from you know ninth with 500 meters to go to second place, and and that was huge because you passed six seven guys in the bell lap yeah, yeah it was it was awesome i mean that's all that you could ever ask for is that you go down you dig and you just make a decision you be decisive and it all pays off and your body's firing and i closed that race better than i'd ever closed an, a race in my life and that just opened my eyes to like the the level i could reach here at byu and you know with this indoor and outdoor season and then a full year next year yeah. ahead of me with all i've learned I'm really excited for the future, and I'm really happy with everything so far. So second place in that NCAA Outdoor 10K, and what I think was your third 10K ever, right? You just started 10K this yeah. year. Um, and so it's your third 10K. You end up coming in second with that great kick, and you did it as a sophomore. And so you knew uh, the guy that finished ahead of you was leaving, right? Graduating, correct? Yeah. yeah. And so you were going to be the top returning runner this year. Yeah. And so your goal, I'm guessing, would have to be uh, win it. Yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, once I got second, my only goal in races now is like, where do you go up from here? It's it's to win a national title. And that was my goal all cross country season. And I was really lined up to do so yeah. uh, for many, much of the season. And, you know, I just had a, a rough day with uh, the NCAA cross country championships. And that now, what you had won pre-nationals yeah. at the same at the same course. Right. Yeah. So a month earlier, uh, you won pre-nationals. Uh, team did really well. Everything was kind of wrapped up for you to have the race you wanted, yeah. and on race day, um, how did it go down for you? So you're going to love this. I'm going to use a basketball uh, analogy or comparison here. I spoke with Ryan Wade about this after a week after Nationals, after just sitting on this race, and I realized I had invested way too much emotionally in this uh, NCAA championship this year, and I was just way too... It's like I had a candle lit, and you can only keep a candle lit for so long before it's out of wick to burn and i lit my candle way too early in the season just with excitement emotionally and i was just out of emotional energy and i felt that wear and tear on my body uh on november 18th this year and it was a mistake on my part but i'd never been in the situation where i was i felt like there was so much on the line and i wanted it so bad and i just let my emotions get the best of me and i compare it to um i believe it was the 2011 miami heat with lebron james the first year with the big three and how they were going to be that team that was unbeatable, they went through some slumps and they got hot and they, they promised all these rings and they just couldn't figure it out. LeBron gets to the finals. He struggles against a Dallas Maverick team and isn't able to capitalize and win that championship. And he had a lot of critics then. And then the next fall, the following year, the following two years, they win the championship against probably better teams with the same team that they had. And all that it was is, um, you know, just trusting that process and learning from your mistakes. I feel like it's a hard way to learn. Uh, when you put so much emotional energy into one big performance and you fall short. But I learned so much on November 18th this year, and I'm so excited to get back out there next year and do it right and bring home that championship trophy for Coach Stone that he so much deserves because he has led this team for so long. Yeah. He's such a great man, and I just he's a guy you want to win for. So Well, top 40 finish... And top three finish as a team and All-America citation again for you in cross-country. So a second All-American in cross-country, the 10K All-American outdoors, uh, and still lots of time left to run. Just a couple minutes left with you, Rory. Um, you already kind of alluded to it, but uh, I just want to uh, – running for Ed. What's running for Ed Eyestone like? So he's just the greatest. I mean, we call him Easy e 
He is the most calm, cool, collected, loving, kind, uh, uplifting coach you could ask for. He brings out the best in me. He brings out the best in, I think, everyone on our team. Uh, He's just the coolest guy. I mean, you just want to make him proud. And he's been there. He's done it. And so you trust him. And you know that he is invested in you. And he believes in you. He he makes you feel special when you need to. And uh, it took me a year or so to kind of gain this connection with him. But, I mean, he's just been so huge on my growth as a runner, as a person, as a leader. I mean, uh, I just try to emulate his composure and his strength all the time. So Yeah, he's one of a kind, and uh, BYU is really, really blessed to have him. That's running for Ed, running uh, with the maple leaf on your chest. How's that been? Um, that's great, and I look forward to doing that a lot more. Um, it's super – it's a prideful moment when you toe the line and you're wearing a country's flag on you, and other people are wearing their country's flag, and you get to see the best in the entire world, the best from each country, and you get to uh, get to know these people that are high-performing individuals, and you get to see what it takes for other people to you know, reach this high level – And I attribute a lot of my success last outdoor season to my experience in Uganda and seeing those world-class athletes, having it be in East Africa, you, there was a big East African showing and I could totally like pick apart some of the things that made them great. And I stopped comparing myself to NCAA athletes and started looking at the world's best. And I feel like it's taken my running to a whole nother level Mm because I'm not just thinking about what I can do here in college, but I'm also thinking long-term, and I'd love to you know, represent at the Olympics and reach that world-class level. That'd be awesome. Uh, Blue Jeans Mile, how heartbroken are you that it's reportedly, uh, your world record's reportedly been broken recently? So I'm not too heartbroken. That was a lot of fun. It was, <laughs> I consider it more of a publicity stunt than anything I take real pride in. Uh, it was a good time, and... The kid that broke it at Utah State, Dylan Maggard, he's actually a good friend of mine. I I like him a lot. I hope he uh, has a great senior season for Utah State. We've been good buddies. We always chat after races, and we're planning on setting up a duel mm. for the to lower the time, and the winner will take home the new record probably sometime in June. That'll next be an year. epic moment. Or this year. Um, eggnog Challenge, how'd that go? Um, the Eggnog Challenge is one of the best BYU cross-country traditions. It is where you... Run a 90-second lap around uh, our grass track this is, this at the so disgusting. track and field comple- complex and then drink a 8-ounce cup of eggnog and last person to throw up wins. And it's a survival of the, uh, of the fittest, I guess. And I broke my record. I did 10 cups, so that's uh, a little over a half gallon of eggnog in my oh, stomach while running. Gosh. And uh, this year we had a gallon drinker. Somebody reached 16 cups, so... Mm. Um, Jared Murphy, uh, someone on the BYU farm team is what we call it. So mm-hmm. he's a kid that runs for the BYU club, coached by Isaac Wood. So that's a shout out to him. And that event is just so much fun. It's so nice and relaxing to break up that finals week is coming. Let's have some fun. Let's celebrate the time a year and drink some good old eggnog. Andrew Brewer's a youngster on your team. Did he do it? Uh, yes, he did. How do you do? I don't know exactly okay. where he finished, but he was somewhere around me. I think he may have uh, thrown up around my time. <laughs> but uh, so, so yeah. good to know. All right, uh, you know it's it's been a pleasure having you in uh, tonight, and we'll do this again. I think we'll probably check in with you at least annually uh, after after 
um, you know, more big races are, 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 are in the books. But uh, it's been fun getting to know you um, over your time here at BYU. I'm so glad we have this Calgary connection we can kind of uh, rely on. And um, we will let you go with uh, maybe just one thought about uh, how, how deep are the Cavs going to go this year and, and what might, might be LeBron's final year in Cleveland. Um, so year 15 of LeBron James' career. By the way, he only had 17 assists last night. Yeah, only 17 assists. He's probably having the best statistical year of his career. Um, they don't even have Isaiah Thomas back. I think that they'll win the the championship this year. Anybody but Golden State, though, and I'll be happy. So I'm cheering for Houston. I'm cheering for OKC. I'm cheering for the Cavaliers. But I'm a LeBron fan first and foremost. Right on. Roy, great to have you. And thanks for bringing all your family and letting me uh, um, uh, reconnect, which was pretty cool, too. Uh, Appreciate it. Hey, thanks. All right. That's Rory Linkletter. And we'll come back after this break with some BYU basketball talk. BYU, former BYU point guard Matt Montague will be in studio, too. It's a BYU-Utah week, and Matt has some poignant BYU-Utah memories to share. We'll talk about uh, Matt's life these days and relive some basketball memories as we come back. It's BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, BYURadio.org, and the BYU Radio app. This is Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. Back in a minute. With the BYU license plates, no matter where you are, you show your Cougar spirit and you make it possible for students to get an education. The donation you make when you get the license plates goes to support BYU scholarships. So whether spreading Cougar pride coast to coast or getting to the big game, you're also funding scholarship opportunities for BYU students. Learn about free special plates today at alumni.byu.edu slash plates. Welcome back to Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. It's time to catch up with the Cougars, brought to you by BYU Alumni Connected for Good. Find your chapter and get connected at alumni.byu.edu slash chapters. Well, in the fall of 1996, BYU basketball was on the verge of, well, kind of an abyss, a 1-25 season that resulted in the firing of one head coach, the end-of-season dismissal of the interim head coach, and kind of a low point in the history of Cougar hoops. The starting point guard for all 26 games of that season was a true freshman from Louisville, Kentucky, named Matt Montague, who played more minutes than anyone on that team that year, 37 minutes a game, while averaging five assists per game, still the eighth-best single-season mark in BYU basketball history that year. Having endured the trials of a 1-25 in year, Matt left for two years of missionary service to England, then returned to start 19 more games as a sophomore, 12 as a junior, and then all 30 games as a senior in all. He played in 122 of 122 games during his BYU basketball career. When he left, he was top 20 in BYU history in games played, seventh in consecutive games played, and first, first in career assists and assists per game, records that stood until Kyle Collinsworth broke them 15 seasons later. Montague and Kyle Collinsworth still the only two players to ever record 15 or more assists in a game on multiple occasions. More important than his individual accolades is what BYU did as a team with Matt in the backcourt. When he got back from his mission, BYU was on its way back to basketball respectability. The Cougars went 22-11 and in his sophomore season and won two games in the NIT, falling one win short of Madison Square Garden. Then the next season, BYU. 
BYU made it back to the Big Dance, won 24 games, including the championship game of the 2001 Mountain West Tournament, still to this day BYU's last conference tourney title. Matt's senior season saw a return to postseason play in the NIT with a loss to Coach Calipari's club in Memphis, about 400 miles from Matt's old Kentucky home. Among Matt's most memorable games came in one of the final games of his BYU career when, as a senior versus Utah, he helped the Cougs back from down 21 in the second half, making the game-winning assist to Eric Nielsen as BYU came back to beat the Utes 63-61. The aforementioned assist tied the BYU career mark previously set by Danny Ainge. So on this BYU-Utah week, it is most appropriate that we welcome into studio two Mr. Matt Montague. Hello, Matt. Evening, Greg. Good to be with you. Good to have you in. So, uh, man, it's been it's been a long time because 1996 makes it 21 years ago, <laughs> yeah. and that 96-97 season was my first season calling BYU basketball games. So, your first season at BYU was my first season doing this at BYU, and we learned a lot together that year. Yes, yes, we did. Thanks for being one of the, the faithful fans. Maybe <laughs> forced into it, but you were there at the games. Not a whole lot were there, but it was a a great time. And I tell people a lot that, that uh, Tony Engel, who, who received the interim job uh, a few games into the season, if it had been anybody but Tony, that might have been an unbearable season. But Tony somehow made 1-25 in 25 kind of okay to come to work every day and okay to get through it. He was probably the best, if not the only guy, for that kind of situation. Oh, he was. Uh, he is. He's unbelievable. It was neat. He was uh, back in town. About a month ago, and had a chance to go out to, to lunch with him. It's it's coaching. He's also a bishop, um, so he's there in Georgia doing his thing. And um, I mean, all of us just love coaching. Like you said, made it made it bearable and doable, and uh, learned a ton from uh, Coach Engel. So as I just kind of uh, uh, ticked through the things that uh, happened during your BYU career, what came to mind most uh, most notably there? I'd say, I mean, it's this week. I mean, the Utah. It's this the game. I mean, you, you look back. I, you know, you play against a lot of teams, a lot of different players. Uh, you don't remember. I mean, now it's obviously been, like you said, 20 uh, years ago. But you, you always remember the, the Utah games. You remember the other point guard that you're guarding. You remember the other players. And um, so this is a huge week uh, for the team. And uh, we're all, you know, pulling for them to, to come through and to keep the momentum going that they've got. But I, I'd say just those Utah games and just the excitement, whether it's Huntsman Center down here at the Marriott Center, are for sure the, the highlights. Now, the last regular season Utah game you got was the one I just mentioned. Yep. I remember quite vividly, um, you know, it's, it's 21 points, the deficit. It's around 15 minutes to go or so in the game. It's a Rick Majerus team, right? Yep. And at that point, you know, Rick's probably thinking we got this thing handled. We're down here in Provo, crowd's quiet, we're up 21, and then all of a sudden this thing starts to happen. Yeah. Remember that? Oh, yeah. I remember, remember it well. And that's the, and one of the great things of Coach Majerus was you just his X's and O's and his adjustments at halftime. We thought, man, we're down 20-plus, and then he's going to make some adjustments. We could end up losing by 30 or 40. But um, that's just one of those things. You, you stay the course and listen to what the coaches, the, you know, the game plan that they had and, uh, you know, whittled it down and made it uh, approachable by the end of the game and hit a few key shots and pulled it off. So that was, again, that's when you think of the career – uh, that's probably the game, you know, you, you just always remember. And as I noted, the Danny Ainge record, you know, we were counting down at that point because you were approaching a career mark that no one had touched for a long, long time. And on Eric's shot is the one on which you actually tie Danny Ainge. So there was this countdown going on. Meanwhile, you're trying to get the game won, and it all happened at the same time. Yeah, and I, you know, I can't think of a better person to, to pass the, to get the assist to than, than Eric Nielsen as far as 
coming in together as you know the 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 one in twenty five one yeah. in twenty six season, and then to be able to you know pass it to him, him hit that shot was uh, it was special. That's, that's that's the thing is I I I don't. I can't think about you without thinking about Eric. Yeah. Um, I think of you two as the tandem. Um, it, again, the one in 25 year, you're both freshmen, and you both got a taste of just how tough it could be. Then you both left at the same time, both came back at the same time, and they got to experience the same rewards of getting back to the pinnacle. I mentioned the pinnacle, and, and you were part of that team that got back to the dance. It had been a long time. And, uh, and, and to, you know, I, I felt just um, great for you guys at how rewarding it must have felt to to get back there because it had been kind of a, a rough stretch, rough go of years. Oh yeah, it, it was. And like you said, as far as, you know, on the road trips and he's my roommate for the years and, you know, going out of the mission together, coming back and uh, it's, it's just fun to reconnect. They, you know, when coach Rose, they did a phenomenal job of the alumni uh, get together. That they he had was there. The yeah. Wisconsin yeah. game yeah. and he and Anna Lane came in. And so it was great to, you know, just spend a good day, day and a half with them and kind of go down memory lane with them together. And uh, you you left uh, with Coach Ingle having just been relieved uh, of his duties, and then you came back to a new staff, which included uh, a lot of the guys are still still doing it right. So it was uh, it was Coach Cleveland with yeah. Coach Rose yeah. and Coach, Coach Schroyer, and now we've got Coach Rose and Coach <laughs> Schroyer, and Coach Cleve's still around, and so it's the same guys. It is, and they're uh, it's it's a great great coaching staff. Um, I you know it's just been neat to have Coach Schroyer come back and you you know as as a as a player i mean you just know how intense he is but that's you know my style of a, of a, of a coach that's that's all in um you know him whether it's sleeping at the Marriott center watching game film or <laughs> the early mornings you know running and the and all the drills um but his his intensity was uh was inspiring and like you said as as a player i i, I thrived off that and he would uh you know if you're doing great he'd tell you if you made a mistake he'd also you know get into you and so he just you know makes everyone you know, better all around. So you hit on Heath a bit, but uh, Coach Rose was also part of the mix. What about Dave and Heath then? Are still Dave and Heath now? Yeah, it's interesting. It just rolls. And uh, I went grabbed lunch with Lee Kamard last week and uh, caught up with him. So it's interesting when when Coach Cleveland was the head coach. Uh, coach Rose was more recruit, just out traveling, not as vocal. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, kind of Coach Schroer had that role of you know the intensity and. Um, and that, and then to to go with lunch with with uh, Lee last week, and to hear him describing, you know, with him and as far as Jimmy Balderson, some of the guys there, where Coach Rose was more of that role of, you know, being the intense one and, um, you know, really trying to get you up for, for things. So just to see kind of Coach Rose in different roles, and obviously, you know, the phenomenal job, the the great job he's done here over the, the years. It's just it's it's awesome to see them all back together. Now, where are you living right now? Uh, North Orem. Okay, so you're you're back in Utah County and around the program enough to see enough BYU basketball. Uh, what do you make of the eight and two start, and uh, and and what do you like of of maybe the new look or new direction BYU basketball has taken? Just tactically, some some changes that have resulted in some uh, some some different results this year. Yeah, uh, I mean it's just it's exciting. I, I can't remember the stat as far as last time they were eight and two. Um, end of the season, had a chance to you know go to the UBU game, run up to the Utah State game. Uh, there's you went to Logan, yeah, right on. I mean, the, I took my seven year old son. It's just to experience the spectrum yeah. and the fans, and it was fun just to see. You know, there's there Utah State's just great fans, um, and so that environment just had my son be there and to to see that. But there's a, like I said, you know, with there was kind of rumbling early on, Mika leaving, and but uh, you know, it provides opportunities for others to step up, and you've seen. 
uh, so many step up. Um, whether you you know you look at the Yoli Childs or um, you go hard as far as on the point guard position, just the the rallying together. And I know Coach Rose. That was one of the things um, he he mentioned even before the season was going. Is he he loves this team and just kind of under the radar. It's not coming out. You know supposed to be this top team and I, I think they're playing with that edge and that that chip to you know to make a make a run here you um of course you know as a point guard have a a keen eye for that position and uh, Josh Shear's taken on the starting role last five or six games and uh, seems to give BYU exa- exactly what it needs right now oh yeah it it just the the stability and you know I, I love watching kind of the sidelines as well and you know seeing coach Schroyer saying you know slow it down or you know mm-hmm. speed it up keep it going of of just his awareness on the court um, knowing you know the strengths of the players and getting them the ball at the right time, so um, it's I know it's exciting. Just think, no seniors and everyone's yeah. going to be back, and just to keep building on what they're doing. Talking with Matt Montague here in studio, Matt, uh, what are you doing now for a living? So it's uh, advisor consultant. Uh, it's in the investment world. Uh, it's with Hartford Mutual Funds. So I had the opportunity just to call on financial advisors um, in the state of Utah, Southern Idaho, and uh, Colorado. So just kind of consult with them try to help them grow their business and kind of talk about what's going on in the you know in the investment world. Uh, I saw you and your wife uh, yep. in Las Vegas recently. How big is your family? Uh, five children. So the youngest is 10 months now and the oldest is 14 and it's cutting a little close getting here tonight. Wednesday is kind of the, the hectic <laughs> night in the Montague household. You know, we're here this reduce and simplifying. Probably need to do a, a little bit better job of that. The <laughs> one had volleyball practice, one had a soccer workout. Um, one had uh, dance, and then uh, one went up to, to scouts, and um, so it was divide and conquer. Well, thanks for making time here. for us. Oh no, this is it's great, great is to the, be here. Is there any basketball uh, amongst your children? There is. So the uh, great best wife in the world, and uh, she's pretty tall. She's right there with me. Wears heels. She's taller than me, and um, <laughs> so right now our fourteen year old just is just past her. So she's five ten, five eleven. She's playing volleyball. Um, the 12 year old's doing soccer, and then there's one boy, Miles. He's right in the middle, and um, he's doing basketball. So I'm helping coach. I was um, going to ask if you got into any coaching, a youth coaching over yeah, here. Yeah. yeah, we're doing it right now. So we, uh, it's funny, the first game we got absolutely, I mean, smashed. <laughs> Very humbling. I uh, was able to you know, relate with them. Hey, Miles, I, I lost by 30 or 40 at BYU. This is your seven. It's okay. Well, and they bounced back and they lost in overtime in their last game. So just, it's just neat to see the, the emotions of, of, as they're going through the various things. The first BYU basketball game I called was our game at Washington. Oh, jeez. Oh, 95 my. to 44. I, yep, I remember that well. And I, I remember thinking, you know, text, you know, I wasn't texting, calling buddies back in Kentucky saying, watch the game. It was kind of our first big, big Monday, I think, game for ESPN. And we still hold the record, I think, for worst loss ever on a, a big Monday. 51. ESPN game. But I thought I kind of arrived as far as high school basketball and college because we, we stayed at a, the Double Tree. And I just remember going into the room, there was that chocolate chip cookie. That was big time hotel. I that, yeah, right. yeah. I, I remember that, that too. chocolate chip cookies on the pillow. And I was just like, this, this college basketball is fun. <laughs> <laughs> and then to go down and then lose by fifty was uh, was humbling. But that's you know of, of credit the coach Engel the, the coaching staff. Of, you know we did a little fireside gathering get together you know after and fans were there to support us and um, 
but yeah, that was a, a doozy of a game. I remember a lot of things about that year because I was just, I was trying to learn the craft. I was trying to do I'm trying to learn learn what I was doing while you guys were trying to go out and win basketball because we were all in the in the same thing together that year. It was uh, certainly one uh, uh, to remember. And of course, the great thing is everything got so much better. Yeah. And when you came back, things had started to change, and then you got the ultimate reward by getting to the dance and uh, finishing off with multiple postseason appearances and just the way it's uh, it's supposed to go. Well, gosh, it was uh, nice having you in tonight, and hey, thanks. thanks again for making the time again on, on a busy family night and all. And um, it is a BYU. It's kind of weird that you know it's BYU in Utah, but because it took a year off, yeah, and because you got guys comings and going on missions and whatnot, different absences. BYU literally has two guys who have played against Utah. Wow. Uh, Luke has two games and Zach has one. Wow. And Utah has literally two guys who've played against BYU, but only one as a Ute. Parker Van Dyke, and it was in Salt Lake. David Collette got a game against BYU when he was an Aggie yeah. in Logan. So none of the Utes have played a game in the Marriott Center. Wow. And this is BYU-Utah, where you've got some history, right? Well, there's almost no history here, so it's kind of a uh-huh. unique uh, a unique setup. Well, we look forward to this weekend, though. It's going to be good. Um We'll do this again, I think, maybe, uh, with you. Uh, I'd, l- I'd love to catch up with you as we, as we, as we move along over the years and, uh, and see what you're doing. But it's been fun to have you in studio tonight. Thanks so much. It's Matt Montague, former BYU basketball point guard, now living here in Utah County and certainly keeping a close eye on the Cougar Hoopsters. And again, uh, before Kyle Collinsworth came along, uh, everything that came, you know, when, when it came down to assist records, they belonged to, to Matt Montague. He had a prolific career as a helper and a passer at BYU, and it's been uh, good to revisit those memories with Matt here tonight. Well, thanks for joining us, folks, and uh, appreciation to our guests this evening, uh, Ben Bagley, the producer of BYU Sports Nation, Rory Linkletter, BYU's All-American in uh, track and field and cross country, and just now, Matt Montague, former BYU basketball point guard. We'll be visiting with you next week, Wednesday at 6 o'clock Mountain, 8 o'clock Eastern. Another BYU basketball show. In fact, a lot of basketball. Coach Cleave is with us next week, Tim Lacombe and uh, Tyler Hawes. That's on next week's show before our Christmas break. So for uh, Matt and for Ben Bagley, Rory Linkletter, I'm Greg Grubel. Thanks for tuning in. BYU Radio, behind the mic with Greg Grubel. Talk to you next Wednesday.